don't know me, I'm, I'm Brother Les, and uh, I'm a Ministry of Helps guy. I've been in the Ministry of Helps for a long time, been a head usher here for a long time. And uh, I'm just thankful to be able to have the opportunity to minister to you, praise God, and to minister the Word of God. What a, you know, what an honor it is to be able to stand in a pulpit like this, all the great men of God, great women of God that stood behind this pulpit and ministered, and I'm just thankful. And, uh, you know, Pastor Diane, I really do mean that. I, I really like it when you're sitting on the front row. You help me. You, you've, you've helped me so much over the years, praise God. Just, just the, the exhortations you've given. And just like today when you got up and started talking about honoring God, I was like, man, that's what I wanted to say and couldn't figure out how to say it. And you just got up and started saying it. So we love you and bless you and, and thank you for just being a good mother to me. Hallelujah. And uh, I don't know why I'm so thankful today, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thankful. And just to go on down the road, thank you, Pastor Jessica. I was preparing my notes last night, and I had you on my iTunes. And you, uh, you have a certain anointing on your worship that helps me. When I premier, there's it's a real short list of who I put on when I'm getting ready to preach. Brother Daryl makes a list. <laughs> Brother Daryl does a lot of different kind of music. Um, not, not every song makes a list, but he's got a few that, my God, it just flips all my switches, you know. And, uh, and uh, you know, I love that, that church at Georgetown, Texas. What an awesome church. I know Dr. Rogan called it a flagship church, and they are. Their ministry of helps, their praise, flagship you know, awesome, and uh, I'm, I get blessed every time I'm there just, just watching their ministry of helps work, you know, but their praise and worship don't quite make that list I'm talking about, I mean, you, it's a short list, and uh, we're just thankful that, that the anointing of God, so something about deep causes the deep, there's something when I listen to you, it really helps me, the anointing of God comes, and, and it helps me, and uh, you know, it's funny, now, now Kim Walker-Smith, she's got a couple of songs, that, that make that list. And it's so funny because I just watched a video. If anybody's seen her give her testimony to James Robinson, see a hand back here. Wow, what an awesome thing. Uh, I didn't know nothing much about her other than the first time I think I heard her sing. I heard her sing in tongues, and I thought, well, that's different. She's bold. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I think I kind of know why now in her testimony she gave. Uh, she went to a youth camp. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. <laughs> Didn't know God hardly at all. You know, been churched a little maybe here and there a little bit where her parents took her to a Pentecostal well. church camp. And uh, didn't understand it, didn't know what to think about it. Was kind of impressed by it, you know. But she went to a service and, and her sister was with her and they just got bewildered by it all and ran back to the dorm. Said, man, I don't know what their people are doing, you know. And <laughs> they said the longer they sat there and talked to each other, the more they said they got something I want. So they ran back. Yeah, she said that. Basically, she said, "Man, I don't know what they got up there, but I think I want it." And her sister said, "Me too." <laughs> so they ran back up there and they found a counselor. And she said, uh, "She she tapped that counselor on the arm and she says, you know, I don't know what these kids got, but I want it.'" And she said that lady started to reach out toward her, and the power of God hit her, and she found herself on the floor praying in tongues. Oh, and <laughs> you know, I thought, well, that's the kind of camps we have. Praise yeah. God. Yeah, awesome thing. So, but anyway, I mean, you can, you can list her testimony, but a lot of things happened to her, and she ended up trying to commit suicide and different things. But, you know, that marked her out. Praise yes. God. Going to a youth camp yes. marked her out. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. And uh, look what a blessing she's been to the body of Christ. So praise be to God. What's Dr. Dufresne called that? He said, if you look for a place to land, I'm, 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 I'm tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get on my notes, and maybe that will help me get, get going here. Go to, go to Matthew 25, verse 25. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go down. I, I wrote out some things, just kind of my testimony, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a few things because, you know, back 25, 30 years ago, uh, you know, I was probably the head usher then, and I, I'm pretty sure I was on the board of the church then. Uh, but if you'd have took a vote, you know, I think I'd have been voted least likely to ever get behind the pulpit. I'm, and I'm serious. I think I would have been, you know, of all the people in the church, I've been voted the least likely. You, you may ask why, you know, why do you say that? But because I was such an introvert, a very introverted person, and I was a very shy person. And uh, I've learned some things about introverts over the years and mostly from, from work. But, you know, like 30 or 40% of the people are introverts. There's a lot of introverted people on the planet. And, uh, you know, they're, they, they process things differently. And, uh, you know, I'd like to say I learned that from my work, but uh, it's just a different way of handling information, different ways of handling things that, that, that you encounter. And, and you know, I, I like to use an example. Well, somebody else used an example, and I've kind of lived it, so I know they're telling the truth. But you could go to, to a trade show from your work, and you go there, and there would be some real extroverted people there and some introverts there. And at the end of the day, the introverts want to go back to their motel and process their information and write some notes. And that's me. I mean, that's me totally. And the extroverts, they want to go to dinner and socialize over the events of the day. And... Uh, and when you say you don't get people, sometimes that's the difference. You, you know, you have a why they do that, you know. And, uh, so I'm a very introverted person, and I learned that, that you know, uh, I'm just a little different the way I process information. I've told my wife I'm a private person, and I'm really not. I like social events. I like coming to church. I like hanging with people. But at the end of the day, I like to, I like to go process. I like to study. I like to get alone with God. Helps me, you know. Uh, so that's just me. And, you know, really introverts can be successful people. There's introverts that are CEOs, CFOs, uh, managers, all different kind of things. So, you know, it isn't like that you become useless just because you're an introvert. And uh, actually, some of them make very good salesmen. It's a little more difficult for them, I think, you know. Uh, but you can do it. And uh, an introvert doesn't, doesn't mess up your life. just makes you process the information a little different. And, you know, now the shyness thing that I dealt with, that's a whole different thing. The shyness is a manifestation of fear. It's a manifestation of fear. And uh, I was afraid to speak. I was afraid of sounding unintelligent, afraid of looking like a fool. And, and, and uh, man, you know, you know, as, a, as an introvert, I, you know, I look at the extroverts and thought I was abnormal, but I wasn't. I was still normal. But uh, allowing that fear to develop in my life, ever since I first, the earliest moments that I can remember, I was super shy, and I never dealt with it. My parents really didn't help me deal with it, and it got worse, and it got worse. Got into high school, and I was, I was just extremely shy, just 
flat didn't talk. You know, I liked being in groups of people, but, you know, if 100 words got said, I might have said one of them. You know, I just, <laughs> just didn't talk, you know. And, uh, you know, just kind of developed that fear. And it, it, when you go tell your testimony, it's like you find all these places you want to veer off. And I'd l like to go into the alcohol thing because I use that as a crutch. But, but I won't. I, I'm going to try to stay, stay true to what I wrote down here. But, you know, I got, ma got married at age 18 brought all that fear and all that frustration with me and um, there's all kind of things I could say about that um, but I met Dr. Jacobs at a Bible study uh, I was so full of fear I almost ran out of that meeting somebody slammed the door at the steps and that's, that's a funny story too but I'll, I don't have time to tell them all uh, but yeah that fear I mean it made me it made me really strange, you know. But I remember, I remember sitting there and recognizing Dr. Jacobs as a man of God. Yeah. I knew he had the anointing on his life. I could sense it. And I get, I get around him, I could even physically feel the power of God. And that, that struck my, my thinking. I didn't know people that walked in a tangible power of God and, and been in church my whole life, basically, and didn't know that. But anyway, he started the church, and I immediately, you know, my family took part. That's a, that's a miracle story in itself. And uh, uh, became, became an usher and a parking attendant and immediately began to work in, in the Ministry of Health. But I still had all that fear in me. Um, you know, I can remember sitting in the back of the church as, a, as the head usher, you know. And I'd say I liked being in the back so I could see everything. And that's not, that's not all bad. There's some truth to it. But uh, a lot of reasons I was back there because I had fear. And uh, I can remember telling Brother Dale, I didn't like sitting up front because I felt like people were, I mean, it didn't make the back of my neck tight because I, <laughs> I, I thought people were looking at me. I thought people were judging me. It's just, just fear, and it, it's hemming me in, and it's cramping me in, and it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And, uh, you know, I was afraid to be in front of people. I was just flat afraid. And, uh, you know, fear, fear makes you weird. Fear or flat makes you weird. Uh, you know, that's what I'm going to talk to you today. I'm going to talk to you about getting free from fear. And, and we're going to talk about taking authority over fear. But, you know, there's just all kind of fears out there. You know, there's fear of, fear of sickness, fear of failure, fear of your future, fear of financial future. Public speeches, public speaking, flying, going over bridges. I mean, just the list goes on and on. Man, I know somebody that won't go across the bridge. Yeah. I, I talked to a guy the other day, and he said that his wife's family, that uh, they believe in no extra trips. If you got to go to the store, you figure out how to go once, but you don't go twice. You, you, you avoid all these extra trips and extra time on the road because you might be in an accident. And I thought, well, that's fear. Whoa. They're being hemmed in by fear. See, and, I, and I realize that the fear is just all over the planet. It's, it's everywhere, and it's the devil. It's the devil trying to manipulate people. And uh, fears will hold you back. Uh, you know, eventually I got past my fear of being up in front of people. It's still a little bit intimidating. I might get a little nervous before I preach. I think that's kind of natural. I think maybe most people do. But I'm not, I'm not just overwhelmed with fear like I used to. I, used to, I, I mean, I, when I was in school, I didn't give any 
speeches in front of the class. I didn't read any reports. If I had to do that, I just skipped school. I just didn't go. <laughs> You're laughing, but I mean, <laughs> I skipped a lot of school, you know, but I wasn't going to do that, you know. I was not going to do that. But I realized, you know, that Dr. Jacobs preached the fear out of me. He preached the fear out of me. And, uh, you know, I remember joining the outreach group. And, and you know, it's kind of interesting because, um, like I say, I immediately got involved in, in the health ministry. I was an usher in a parking team. Even when we met in a house, I used to help them park the cars. You know, first two meetings, you know, they said, send him out here. He can park cars. And couldn't do much else, but I could, I could help him park cars. So I've always been in the ministry of helps. And I remember uh, Dr. Jake has asked me to be on the board of the church. I thought, oh, my God, I looked around, I, you know, disqualified myself immediately and seen all kind of people I thought should be on there. And where's Bob Brown? Bob Brown, Brown. Bob Brown and I were put on the, the, the board at the same time. And uh, I remember praying. I said, Father, you know, I, I got nothing to offer the leadership of the church. And he says, no, I want you to do that. He said, I want you to stay an usher. And once you take the position on the board, and then don't do anything else until I tell you. And I was real thankful. I was I had really been working on hearing from God. That had been my my thing. I always wanted you know I'd hear people say they could hear from God, and I and I had been working on that. And uh, I was so thankful because I knew I heard God. I knew that was the Lord. He told me what to do. So I went ahead and I was I was on the board, and that's all I was. That's all I did for years. I mean, it went from. From Slate Run to over to here, I'm still sitting in the back of the church as an usher. Still got fear, but I was on the board, and uh, I remember uh, uh, Dr. Hattabaugh. He wasn't a pastor at that point; he was just somebody in the church. And him and I really hit it off. Uh, we we became friends, and uh, he took over the the position uh, of an outreach minister. And, and you know. Boom, immediately our outreach went to a whole nother level. He got excited about it, got fired up about it, and started doing things. And I, I you know, I didn't want to do that. I thought about it and said, I'm not going out there to, you know, <laughs> knock on doors, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but one Sunday morning, I, I was walking down that hallway, and I remember, you know, of course, he was an usher too, and, and you know, we met in the hallway, and I greeted him, and we talked, and, you know, did a little high five. We're excited about church that day, you know, and, and he walked in and came into the sanctuary, and I walked on down the hall, and God said, I want you to get involved with him with that outreach ministry. Knew I heard from God. Absolutely knew I heard from God. And uh, so that's what I did. I got involved in that, and that's where I really began to deal with my, my, my fear issues. You know, I'd had the word preached and preached and preached, and I knew what I needed to do, and now it came time to obey God, face that fear down, and become what I needed to be. And uh, so I started to work on it and uh, had a great time with Dr. Hatterball. What a, what a blessing. I had the, the privilege of watching the call of God, you know, come on a man and begin to manifest to where you could see it and really seeing him just do just special things out in the community. Lay hands on people and immediately they get healed. I've seen people immediately lose their, their desire for cigarettes. I've seen all kinds of things out there laying hands on people, going door to door, seeing people get ministered to. We really had a heart to fill this church 
I don't know people, sometimes they won't come. I don't know. We, we ministered to a lot of people. And very few of them ever came to church. But we had a great time. We grew in the things of God together and, and, and uh, just, just had an awesome time ministering the things of God. And it was, it was awesome. And uh, I remember that uh, he said, okay, we're going to start going to the jail. He got us into the Floyd County Jail. And I remember going down there and... Uh, he said, you're going to preach. I said, mm, I almost said no. <laughs> but uh, I was committed to getting past my fears and, 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 and becoming who God really wanted me to be. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And uh, so I remember the first time we went down there, I, I don't remember if it was just me and him or whether there was somebody else there. I think, it, I think there was three of us. I don't remember who the other guy was. But anyway... Uh, they told us you're going to have three, maybe four sessions today, and uh, they need to last, I forget what they told us, 20 minutes or something. And uh, we shook our heads, and the guy walks away, and Dr. Hatterball said, that's great, awesome, and you're going first. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and immediately that fear thing jumped on me. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, I can't do this. And I had an hour-long message prepared anyway. How am I going to do this in 20 minutes? And I started to get jumpy on the inside. I started to get nervous. I started getting overwhelmed. I mean, it was basically a panic attack. I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And then the men start walking in. Here they come. You know, and it fills up. There's like 30 of them in the room. They got their jumpers on. And they're looking at me like, bring me something. Come on. We come hungry, you know. And uh, I remember I stepped up behind that pulpit and the anointing of God just come on to me. I felt like I was in a bubble and I felt like I could whoop the world. I mean, I did. And all the fear went away and it got, it got caught up in the anointing of God. And I thought, wow, isn't that awesome? I thought, isn't God good? And I preached my 20 minutes. I had no idea what I said, but I know that it had to have been anointing. Because I was up under the, a very strong anointing, and it was exciting to me. And uh, so I've been—I'm still working on it, you know. I'm still working on me, and uh, trying to be a better preacher, trying to get good at what what I do up here, you know. But God helped me. God helped me. But I had to obey. That's it. I had to obey. I could have told Doctor Hadamall, "No, I'm not doing outreach." I could have told Doctor Byron, "No, I'm not going to pray." I could have told God. I can't do that. It's too much. I'm overwhelmed. That's too big, you know. But I didn't do that, and so thankful, so thankful. I was just just able to obey God. Hallelujah. Did y'all go to Matthew 25? Yes. Uh, Matthew 25 is an example, I think, that we should read because I told you that fear will make you weird, and it, it, it absolutely did make me weird. Uh, hallelujah. 23 minutes. That's how long I've been preaching. You're kidding me. <laughs> Y'all got another 90? <laughs> I, I'm a first scripture. Well, okay, I'll have to figure out what to do here. Praise God. Matthew 25, uh, verse 25. Um, well, we'll just read it, and then I'll, I'll, I'll fill it in, the blanks. But verse 25 says, And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. And it says, Look. There you have what is yours. And, uh, you know, in this story, the, uh, a man went away on a journey, and he called his servants together, and he gave one of his servants five talents. He gave another servant 
I think it was two talents, yes. And then the other servant, he gave me one talent. And uh, the one with the five talents, he doubled it. The one with the two talents, he doubled it. The one with the one talent, he hid his talent and produced no increase. And uh, he says right in here what his problem was. He says, and I was afraid. And I was afraid. So his fear caused him to do what? It totally limited his potential. It wasn't even his own money. He could have made some money with somebody else's money. But he was afraid. The fear caused him to hide what he had. There's a whole message in that, believe me. The fear of God caused him to hide what he had. And let me just ask you today, are you hiding talents because of fear? I'm talking about natural talents now. You know, in this parable, talents are some of money. But do you hide your natural talents? Do you hide your natural talents because of fear? Has a fear limited you? Limited me, I'm, I'm first to tell you. Has fear limited what you have accomplished in life? Have you let fear push you around, manipulate you around, and, and cause you to come up short of where you should be, and you know it? Well, you need to deal with it. Praise be to God. Maybe you could have made some money, but fear stopped you from starting a business. You know, one thing that, that really blesses me is, is when I come to church here and I see all these young ladies up on the platform, anointed of God, just worshiping God. And I think about that. You know, any one of them could have said, no, I'm afraid to get up in front of people. I'm not going to do that. They, were, they could have hid their talent. And it would have cheated us all. Would have cheated us all. I think about Pastor Jessica. So I, I know for a fact that she imparted to each one of those people. I know that all of them look to her as an example. See, what if she just said, I'm not going to do that. I got this. I got that. Whatever reason. I'm not going to. Oh, my. It would have cheated us all. It would have cheated them, and it would have cheated all of us. Because we wouldn't have got to partake of their talent. We wouldn't have got to partake of that anointing. See, now, to me, that's the cost of fear. That's what fear will cost you. Yeah, it costs you your calling, whether you're in ministry or to a business or a vocation. It can cost you whatever. Whatever the will of God is, whatever the plan of God for your life, fear can cost you walking it out. It paralyzes you and it penalizes you. It's just, you know, you talk about the deer in the headlights thing, well, that's, they get paralyzed. And that's what fear can do to you when you don't obey God. And it hinders other people. So let's go to Genesis 3 real quick. And I'm going to try to uh, turn it up a notch. Actually, I got that one printed out. That'll help me. I'm going to go ahead and read Genesis 3, 8 through 10. It says, When they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. So Adam and Eve are experiencing fear for the first time. They hadn't known fear. They'd been walking with God in the cool of the evening, you know, just hanging out with God, his very presence. And uh, so now they're, they're, they're doing what? They went and hid themselves. Right. See, that's what fear will do. It'll make you hide things. It'll make you hide yourself. It'll make you hide your abilities. 
It's just, just like the servant with the talent. He went and hid it. It hides your potential. It, it, it caused you to hide what you could become, what you could be. It causes you to, to totally miss out on the plan of God. And see, they're, they're responding in fear. I, I kind of picture it as kind of a, a cringing, cowardice fear. That, oh, my God, here comes, here comes God. And, you know, and that, that's not the will of God. God did not want that for his man. But this is where man began to fear. When man began to fear when the devil usurped his authority and took his authority away from him and made him a servant. Made him a servant. He became a servant of the devil. And he went from spiritual life to spiritual death. His choice put the law of sin and death in action. That's where the law of sin and death started, right there. And uh, basically his choice put him in a position where the devil could manipulate him with that fear. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to manipulate you with fear. Those who are in Christ Jesus, they don't have to give him any place. And we'll get into that later, but, you know, you don't have to. And I have learned that when the devil talks to you, you got to talk back. I've been taught my whole life, don't, don't back talk people, don't talk back. But when the devil talks to you, you've got to talk back, and you've got to talk the word of God. You've got to tell him the promises of God and that you're going to have them. Yeah. So turn to Hebrews 2, verse 14. These are, these are scriptures everybody knows, but they're tremendous scriptures. There's just so much revelation in them. Hebrews 2, verse 14, it says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And you'll, you'll find out that all fear has, a, has a, a, a root in the fear of death. It's like the the king daddy of them all is the fear of death. And most all fears have some kind of a root in being afraid to die. You know, when you think about people afraid of flying, they're not really afraid of flying. They're afraid of coming down. You know, they don't want to crash. Uh, you know, nobody wants to be in a plane when it comes down. I understand that. Uh, you know, people aren't afraid to cross the bridge. It's the bridge falling is what they're afraid of. They see, they're afraid to die. And uh, the fear of death, it's a, it's a paralyzing force. And, and we see here that Jesus destroyed or made no effect the devil. The devil doesn't have the power of death anymore. Jesus made it of no effect or made it void. And I've, I looked it up in the Strong's, that word destroy, and it's, it's, I'm just going to read the definition here. It says, to render entirely idle or useless. Literally or figuratively, it means to abolish Cease, cumber, deliver, destroy, do away with, make no effect, cause it to fail or lose, and bring it to naught, put it away or put it down, and cause it to vanish away and to make it void. That's what Jesus did to the power of devil. He rendered him helpless and useless. He abolished his power. He put, put it away. He made it void. Praise God. And uh, thank God he did, as he delivered us from the bondage of fear and released us 
from fear. We don't have to fear anymore. Jesus has delivered us. And, uh, you know, this, this scripture talks about those who through the fear of death, the fear of death. I want you to realize that when you get born again, you absolutely gain victory over death. You gain victory over death. And I'm just going to read you some scriptures. Uh, you know, when you get born again, you become a citizen of heaven, and it becomes your home. And uh, just going to read you some scriptures here. I'm not like trying to come up with a with a doctrine of my own. I'm just going to read you some scriptures, and you can plainly see what it's saying. Uh, John eight fifty one says, "Most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death." Uh, John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, through." Though he may die, he shall live. So his physical body died, but the real you lives on. <clears throat> John eleven twenty six, and it says, Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asked, Do you believe? He's talking to the lady there, and he says, Do you believe this? Hebrews 2 9. <clears throat> Love this scripture, good scripture. It says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Do you know Jesus tasted death for you? He tasted death so that you wouldn't have to. You know, where I work, excuse me, let me get a drink here. They, uh, they require me to wear steel-toed boots. I'm in, I'm in the office 90% of the time, and usually when I'm in the shop, I'm walking between the yellow lines, and I really don't need them all the time, just occasionally I do. But they require me to wear these boots. But after years of working out there on the concrete, I know you've got to have good boots. I mean, it'll make your feet hurt, your, your calves hurt, your back hurt, because you know, I work long days. and You spend 11, 12 hours out there on the concrete day after day. And so I just got in the habit of buying good boots, and I buy the best pair of boots I can find. I got a narrow foot, so I order them special. But I go to Red Wing, and I get the most expensive thing they got. And I wear a good boot. And I like my boots. I really do. But you can ask my wife. When I come home at the end of the day, <clears throat> I got to come in the door and go around the corner. I sit in a chair, and that's where I take off my boots. And that's one of the first things I want to do when I get home. I want to get my boots off. And, uh, you know, those slipping off those boots when you get done, I feel refreshed. I feel replenished. It just makes me feel so good to get those boots off. And uh, you know when you die, that's what it's going to be like for you. You're just going to slip out of that body. That's all there is to it. You're just going to slip out. and You're going to feel refreshed. You're going to feel blessed. You're going to feel better than you've ever felt. You're going to feel relieved. Why? Because you're not going to have to taste death. Jesus already tasted it for you. Let me give you a couple more scriptures. Second Corinthians 5, 8 says, We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 5 says, O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, Hades, where is your victory? 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you're not under the law. 
Jesus already paid the price for sin, and you don't have to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The eternal life on the inside of you keeps you from tasting death. You know, I'm convinced that when you die, you're not even going to know you died. Once you're dead, you're, gonna know, it's not, you're not even going to know when you slipped over. You're just going to know you feel better than you've ever felt. You're full of life, full of vitality. You feel refreshed and replenished. I'm, I'm fully convinced of that. I think the only way you're going to know it, and if you've ever talked to people that's had out-of-body experiences, you know, where they have died, and they look back and see their body, I think that's how you're going to know you're dead. You're going to look back and say, well, there's my body laying on. I guess I, guess I died. And, uh, <laughs> and when you realize, see, that that right there, is the root cause of the fear. You realize, wow, it's nothing. How can that manipulate me? Jesus has already tasted it for me and I don't have to experience it. How can that manipulate me and rule my life? How can that fear of death have such a... It doesn't have to have such a hold on. When you get that revelation and you realize that dying isn't no thing, hallelujah, it's not going to be a big deal. You know, nobody wants to go through the pain that some people have went through before they died, and I understand that. But dying isn't no thing. You're just slipping out to be present with God, and uh, it's not that big a deal. Hallelujah. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up. I've been preaching long. I thought I would be 10 minutes, and I'm almost 40. But uh, go to 1 Timothy. Or no, 2 Timothy. Second Timothy wants another very familiar scripture, um, but what a great scripture. What a great scripture. All right, it says, For God hath not given us a spirit of, the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Of course, the first thing you've got to realize is that when you're dealing with fear, you're dealing with a spirit. You're dealing with a spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Basically, you're dealing with a demonic spirit. It's not a good spirit. It's not, a, it's not of God. It's not, it's not the Holy Spirit and it's not an angel. It's a demonic spirit. You've got to realize that it is actually not natural for you as a born-again man to have fear. See, it doesn't come up out of the inside of you. Your inner man does not produce fear because it's demonic. Fear comes from the outside in. And see, you can always recognize it once you figure that out, that when you get those pressures from the outside, it starts manipulating you. It's, it's not of your born-again spirit. It's a demon spirit. And he comes to do what? To manipulate you. He uses lies and the power of suggestion. And you've got to realize that everything he tells you is a lie. Everything he tells you is a lie. I know uh, I read a book from Brother Copeland. I read it years ago, and I keep it around. It's a good book called Freedom from Fear. And he talks about reciprocals in there. And a reciprocal is the same thing, just an opposite. And that's what faith and fear are. 
And uh, so if the devil brings you a lie, realize there's always a truth that's in this book. There's always a truth that's just the opposite, and it's what God says. What God says is totally opposite to what the devil says. And every time he tells you something of failure, you look in here and find your victory. Find your promise of victory. Because it'll be in here every time. Every time. When he tells you you're going you're gonna to fail, that there's failure in your future, you just realize that God says you're blessed and you have a supply. And it's, it's like that for every subject you come up with. You've got to realize when fear comes, you're dealing with a defeated foe. A defeated. Jesus already defeated him. So what? You just speak the word. Just speak the word. Man, that's just come up within the last month. Thing. Like everybody that ministers, I hear that talk. You got to speak the word. I know one morning, Brother Jim said in prayer, we've heard that and heard that and heard that, and we got to keep hearing it because we got to speak the word. It's so important. You've got to speak. You've got to get the word of God in your heart and in your mouth. It is, it is your key to success. So in this scripture here, it's the first thing it mentions is that he isn't giving you a spirit of fear, but what's he giving you? It says, but of power. So he doesn't give you a spirit of fear, but he gives you power. Your father gives you power. The first thing he mentions here is power. Power over what? Power over that spirit of fear. He gives you power over that. So we should be all be walking in authority over the devil. You know, Dr. Jacobs has been teaching us on authority. Well, that, use that authority. Use that God-given authority on the devil and on that spirit of fear. You know, Jesus gave us power to deal with the circumstances of life. All the circumstances of life. Jesus gave us power to deal with them. 1 Peter 5 says that you can resist the devil and he has to flee from you. You know, in, in Mark 16, it says we cast him out. You cast him out. You don't ask him out. Don't invite him out. Cast him out. And when we, uh, we went to the Owens Church and Pastor Nancy was preaching, she gave such a great illustration of what that is. She talked about I think it was her and her sister, and I can't remember who know, was getting in a boat with her dad because there's a river down on their property, her dad's property. And uh, they got the boat flipped over, and they get out into the water, and there's a rat in the boat, you know. And uh, knowing, knowing about water, I, used to, I lived by a creek for many, many years, but it's probably a muskrat. It probably wasn't the kind of rat you'd see in the barn. It's probably a muskrat because they live down in water, and, they go, and they, they're just a little bigger, but they look like a rat. Ugly things. <laughs> And, uh, you know, they got a round pencil tail just like, like a rat you'd see in, in the barn. But uh, anyway, she said that her dad went after that thing, got his knife out, and somehow or another stuck him and got the boat up on the bank and gets him out. And she grabs that thing by the tail, gives him one of these, <clears throat> and she says, now that's casting. That's, that, that's casting. And you got to get that mentality in your head that you're putting it on the devil. You're putting, you know, you don't, you don't ask him out. You don't invite him out. You cast him out. And you got to get a vision in your head what casting the devil out really is. And, uh, you know, I've done some things like that. I mean, I've really whipped some things. You know, you, know, you can bash something's head up against a, a wall when you're doing that, and they're done, you know. And uh, so I, I had that. I, it was a great illustration for me. I got a great vision of that. Cast him out. Praise be to God. Exercise your authority. And then once you've done that, you've got to think like you're free, and then you've got to talk like you're free. 
<laughs> you may not feel free, but once you've exercised your faith and you just got you just got to think I'm free because I acted on the word and then you got to talk it. The first person you run into, tell them I'm free. Praise God. And, uh, you know, no matter how nervous I was when I went down to the jail, I didn't tell anybody I was full of fear. I said, God's going to help me. God is going to anoint me. God will, and he did every time. Still does. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's not really possible to just not be afraid because you don't want to be afraid. It's not really possible. You have to do something. You have to do something. You have to deal with that spirit that's behind that fear. That's what you have to do. And uh, deal with the spirit, you know, and, and use mightier weapons than he's got. Second Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought into captivity and obedience to Christ. Say, cast them out in Jesus' name. Quote the word to yourself that promises you the victory. And, uh, you know, God's given you power. You've got to realize you're powerful. And you've got mighty weapons. In the name of Jesus, the word of God, your prayer life. They're mighty in God. Hallelujah. To give you victory. Third thing he mentions is love. And... Uh, Instead of the spirit of fear, he gives you love. I guess that's the second thing he mentioned. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. God gives you the spirit of love. God is love. And he shed abroad the love of God in your heart by the Holy Ghost. And uh, you got to realize we all need love. All of us. We need love and we all have the capacity to love. And, uh, you know, you cannot dictate what other people do. And I've, I've had... This guy I've dealt with at work for a long time, been years. And uh, I've walked in love with him the best I can, but he, he's got his side, and I can't fix that. And, uh, but we can walk in love without fear. I, I, I like to think of it this way. If love never fails, then love's the fix. Love is the fix. Love doesn't fail. You know, keeping score won't fix it. You know, I've looked at other people to try to fix it. I've tried to get my boss involved with this guy to fix it. It won't fix it. It's not going to fix it. But I believe that walking in love, keep it on your side of it. I mean, you can't control what they do, but walking in love on your side, it Come keeps on. you free. That's so Hallelujah. Good. Keeps you free. First John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. It says, but he, but he who fears has been made, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So work on your love walk. Work on your love walk. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Yeah, boy, that's a that's a that's a divider right there. I've I've had to question a lot of people with that. You know, people want to do all kind of things, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, do you love Jesus? You know, if you love Jesus, you'll keep his commandments. And, you know, walking in love will keep you out of torment. Third thing he said was a sound mind. Not the spirit of fear, but soundness of mind. You know, a mind filled with fear isn't sound. It's not sound. 
I think God says it's somewhere between 300 and 350. I've heard two different ways and haven't personally counted them all, but there's 300 to 350 times in the Bible God says, fear not. God does not want you to fear. He doesn't want you to have fear in your mind. And uh, I realize that people are struggling to keep soundness of mind. I'm glad I got one yes, because I really think that's true. People are struggling to keep their soundness of mind. And, uh, you know, I don't watch the news, but wasn't there another mass shooting yesterday in Texas? Another one this morning, see. See, there, there's reasons why people are struggling to keep their soundness of mind. It's crazy out there. Sex trafficking. I mean, who would have thought millions of people being affected by sex trafficking and, and terrorism and, and mass shooting? I mean, it's, it's, there's a reason why there's an attack, you know, people are struggling to keep their soundness. And that's why you've got to stay in the Word. Yeah. You've got to keep the fear out. Come on. To keep fear out of your life, you have to... You have to deal with thought patterns. I catch myself all the time. I don't know about you, but I mean, I catch myself all, all the time. Well, that's not right thinking. And I have to bring myself to think or make myself think right. If you don't, it may cost you your soundness. And you need, you need soundness of mind. God has given it to you. And uh, you have to pay close attention as you receive what he's given you. You know? I just realized that, you know, just in general... People have this feeling of they're just being demanded of too much. It's just too much. I can't handle it. It's just too much. And they, and they deal with that internal battle on the inside all the time. It's not of God. God didn't give that to you. That internal battle, that feeling of I just can't go on. Recognize that. That's not of God. God gives you a soundness of mind. And that thing that's so contrary to your soundness, it's of the devil. He gives you that feeling. And God gives you a sound mind. And I'm just, you know, I'm just saying today, don't let the devil have your mind. Don't let him have it. He's after it. He wants to manipulate you and push you around. He wants to make you fearful. He wants to steal your love, your joy. He wants to steal your soundness. And uh, you just don't let him have it. Learn to think like God thinks. God thinks just like this. Right in here is what God thinks. Find out what the covenant says. Get over in the new covenant and find out what to renew your mind every day. Every day. Get it in the word of God and deal with fear. Speak the word. What's that, that verse that pastor found, Dr. Found in Job? You know, speak the word that you may be refreshed. It's so refreshing to speak this word and get your mind <coughs> thinking like God thinks. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to finish. I've been going a long time. I hope that helps somebody. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we just bless you today. Praise God. Magnify you. And thank you, Father, for being a deliverer. Thank you, Father, for all that Jesus has done. Hallelujah for us. My, my, my. Your plan of redemption set us free. Gave us victory over death. Gave us victory over the devil. Restored everything that Adam had got out of place. Jesus put it back and gave us great victory. I was thinking how the devil likes to have dominance over people where they have no choice. He just pressures them and manipulates them. But Jesus came and gave us his righteousness, but he gave us a choice. 
We have a choice whether we receive or not. So, Father, we choose life. We, we choose salvation today. We choose victory today. Hallelujah. We choose to walk in your power. We choose to walk in your love. We choose to have soundness of mind. Hallelujah. And we rebuke the devil. We resist, resist the devil with our faith. I know he flees from us, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You have anything you need to do, Pastor Diana? So, no. Anybody? Right. You're dismissed. <laughs> <laughs>